What's up, sports fans and people who are our friends and family just watching to support us, I guess. Uh, welcome to another edition of the DC Sports Huddle. I am Rob Whitwork at the controls, and we are with the usual cast of characters. George Wallace is here. You do not see his face for a reason I will describe in a moment. Chris Cheon, Dave Preston, and of course, if it's hockey season, we got Ben Raby here. What's up, Ben? Good to be here. George has never looked better. Once again, <laughs> the event is not catered, but we're here anyway. I mean, we told him he's got a face for radio, and this only reinforces that. So, George, is how about, that- how about the guy? The guy we asked to come on as a guest starts talking trash right away about the food. Yeah, it's been nice having you on. Truth. We will see you next year. Yeah, Ben, ben so, thanks for joining us. See you later. Yeah, so. So George is off camera because he is at Washington practice. And for some reason, they're actually wrapping up practice earlier than expected. So uh, we're going to get to George right away. And uh, what are your impressions from what you've seen from practice and uh, what we can look forward to when the Kansas City Chiefs come to FedEx Field on Sunday? Well, uh, Curtis Samuel is off to the side working again today, guys, which is no surprise there. Uh, you know, he said it's going to be a week-to-week thing, did Ron Rivera. Uh, and unfortunately, that's what we're going to be dealing with all year long. Downey Brown, which kind of surprised to a bunch of us, was out there practicing. He missed last week's games. Cam Sims was not there. Antonio Gibson not doing much either. I'm sure that's going to be just a week-to-week thing as far as uh, taking it easy with him with that shin um, uh, stress fracture in his shin, which he did play through last week, but that's going to be probably a week-to-week thing. Uh, Yeah, they're wrapping up practice. They're only going about an hour today, so I was driving to my spot to join you nice folks on camera, but then we got a text and we got to head back, so I'm driving back real quick, so that's why uh, you do not see my face on camera. But uh, look, let's be honest, it's a tough task. The Chiefs are coming off a loss. You can say what you want about the Chiefs' defense. That's fine. It's towards the bottom, just like this team is. But the difference is they have Patrick Mahomes uh, and can put up 40 just like that. And they may get close to that on Sunday. I hate to say it. Close to that. I think they're going to surpass that. But we'll get to you that. You think so? Oh, you think absolutely. They're go 40? Absol- no, I think they're – I'm picking 56-28. <laughs> okay, that's a big That's a big score. Okay, all right. Yeah. Not to skip ahead, not to skip ahead to the uh, uh, prediction portion, but I, I just don't see a way that Washington's defense can stop all of those weapons. I mean, you can say what you, I mean, like you said, George, you can say what you want to about the chiefs defense. It's actually one of the few, yeah. very few defenses in the league that's ranked below Washington, both in scoring defense and in yardage. So this is a trash defense that they're going up against, but at the same time, A, they've got some game changers on that side of the ball. Uh, Chris Jones, you have uh, the Honey Badger. Uh, he's yep. able to change momentum in games. So that's something Washington has not demonstrated that they have on their defense, even though it is slightly better statistically. And then, of course, as you said, the Mahomes factor. I mean, he is objectively one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the league. So uh, going up against a bad defense like that, coming off a loss, and especially all the recent history, Andy Reid owns Washington, and uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs haven't lost to Washington, I believe, since 1991, I think was the last time uh, Mm. they beat the Chiefs. So I I just don't see a way that they don't lose this game in a laugher. Do you agree, Dave? Yeah. 
I don't see this being a close game. I, I've got, I think, 39-18 is my score because we've had a lot of oddball scores. Last week they scored 22, which is a very non-usual number for the Burgundy and Gold. Yes, Kansas City has problems defensively, last in the league in scoring defense, second to last in yards allowed, but they're the best team in the NFL at moving the chains, 59% on third down. Washington, second to last at getting off the field on third downs. They're also second to last at moving the marker on the money down. So I, I just, I, you're, I see a shootout and this is a team that can't be in shootouts with, uh, you know, Mr. Heineke. I, he's, he's, he's a good quarterback when the defense plays well enough for him to win. I don't see that happening. He's also a good enough quarterback when the other team does their best to lose like the giants and to a lesser degree, the Falcons, the chiefs, I think are a playoff team. They are, they're one of those teams that, when they say, yes, your record is what you are, but they look at two and three and they say, okay, we know that we are much better than that. We're angry. We are going to find a way to climb out of this under 500 world where we're not used to being because this, this is a team that under coach Andy Reed doesn't lose in September. And they had more than a few issues the first month of the season. Well, that's yeah. true. And, uh, and actually George, let's get your prediction before you have to run off. Uh, yeah, it looks like a couple minutes left here. Uh, I, I, I don't see, you know, you talk about the shootout factor and that's, and that's fine. But, you know, the other injury we have to talk about too is Sam Cosby left the game the other day with that ankle injury along the offensive line. So that could be an issue. Brandon Sheriff, we already know is out receiving cores hurt running backs banged up. And you're right. I mean, you know, Taylor's not Patrick Mahomes to get into a shootout with. So I think, I think Washington will score sure, but I think Kansas city wins this game pretty big 38 and going 38, 21. Okay, that's uh, I mean that's considered uh, almost a low score compared. <laughs> given and actually, and actually, look and 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 you know something. This is this would be typical Washington if they go out there and then the defense has its best effort of the season and they of course hold, hold of them course. to like yeah. seventeen points and uh and and end up winning the game in a defensive struggle. That would be right typical Washington to do to expect the unexpected uh, when this team plays. Um, There's a reason why they built casinos instead of tearing them down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, thanks, George. Thanks, and, uh, so, Chi, what um, what are you seeing on Sunday from the Washington football team? Couple of things, Rob. You spoke a little highly of the Chiefs' defense. I think they're awful. Daniel Sorensen. They're trash. Well, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the Chris Joneses of the world, and I just don't. Oh yeah. Think yeah, yeah. But here's my thing. On the back end, they have the same problems Washington does on defense, right? They can't cover anything deep. And I think Tyreek Hill, unless you scheme some cover two, do not let Tyreek Hill get deep. Say, Patrick Mahomes, we'll give you the underneath stuff. But this game could get out of hand really quickly if Hill gets over the top against Landon Collins, who did not look good in the last game. And, and again, they're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback here, but that would be where you'd think Washington would win this game, making Mahomes nervous. He's turning the ball over at a pretty incredible clip when you're talking about uh, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. So, and the Chiefs here, 32.6 points per game allowed. That's the worst in the NFL. Washington comes in at second worst, 31 points per game. So you would expect some scoring to be had. Rob, you mentioned in your piece the home field atmosphere. I think that hurts Washington's chances. I think it's almost better if they go on the road at this point and have everybody cheering against them. 
not a half stadium sort of enthusiasm when you're going to hear more Chiefs fans. I think that uh, Josh Norman said it a couple of years ago, they play better on the road than in FedEx field. So um, I, I would like Washington chances better if this was an arrowhead, believe it or not. That, I mean, and they've already got, I, I believe the chiefs have lost twice at arrowhead already this season. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you're wrong at all. Do you have a game prediction like score wise? Yeah, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs, who have the top-ranked DVOA offense to score 38 against Washington, and Washington will put up 28. So it'll be a high-scoring affair. I do think the Washington offense can generate and score some touchdowns this weekend. Man, I could see Kansas City getting 38 by halftime. I mean, these are, these are some low scores, man. I'm 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 picking yeah. 56, and and I might be it might be 63. I could be uh, I, I could be underselling it. Ben, you want to pick a score? Give me, uh, excuse me, give me the Chiefs as well in the high thirties. All right, not fifty six. I'll also I'll go thirty seven twenty three for the Chiefs. It's a get well game, and to Chion's point, Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in interceptions in the non rookie category. Only Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence uh, giving away more than Mahomes. It's a get well game for the Chiefs. Both sides of the ball. I like them to win and land. Man, I, and and honestly, I'm I should have picked the the score of that uh, that infamous high scoring game that Washington won generations ago, the 72 to 41 game. I think they were playing the Giants. So yeah. uh, I'm I, I'm I, I was flirting with the idea of picking that score, but I I think they'll probably call off the dogs <laughs> in the fourth quarter. So uh, Bob, before we move on, I think, you know, we, we've been talking about how bad this secondary is in Washington. The misplays Landon Collins, just one example this past Sunday. There are two units that are very difficult to mask, nearly impossible to mask in the NFL if they're subpar offensive line and defensive secondary. And while the offensive line, although kind of patchwork, they've only allowed, I think, six sacks. That's third best in the NFL, third fewest. The secondary has been scorched early and often. When, uh, t- when teams have you know, tried to take advantage of them. And I don't see it changing. I, I, I don't, uh, unless there's a massive revamp, uh, you know, as far as scheme and, you know, maybe adding a sixth or seventh, you know, defensive back. I, I don't see the secondary getting better anytime soon, and especially Sunday against Patrick Mahomes. We've talked about how he has thrown a lot of interceptions. Ben said this is a get well game. So is Chris. I'm right on with both of you that this is one of those maybe market correction games for Mahomes. Did you pick a score, Dave? I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, 39-18. Okay, it's 30 okay. to like 10 it. at the half. <laughs> and they just kicked three field goals. There's a two-point conversion at the end, too. So yeah, a little I bit of everything. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Chi a uh, a strategic question here. Uh this is a little off the cuff here, and you can tell me if I'm way off base on this. With Landon Collins, you're paying him a bunch of money. He's a safety. But yeah. considered a, a box safety, a guy who can tackle, but he's not great in coverage. Why not use him as a nickel linebacker as opposed to playing him deep? Am I crazy? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a coach, so. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about it is I don't know that anybody necessarily behind him would be any better covering deep. And um, I still, listen, uh, talking ill will about uh, Landon Collins here. <laughs> You know, and Dave makes a great point. It's hard to mask that, but maybe I do have my nostalgic moments of remember him being a good playmaker for this team 
Some guys get better as the season goes along. I mean, it's a long season now, but you know, he, he was a good safety at Alabama and early in his career. So um, he was an all pro with the giants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, can you put Kendall Fuller back there? I don't know. Then you lose him on the outside covering some of the receivers here. He hasn't been great either. So it's just hard to kind of fit unless you really go deep into the depth chart here. Um, and do you feel comfortable doing that as the very back end, the very last thing, the very last person that's going to cover a guy like Tyree Kill? Um, do you want Landon Collins in that spot? Maybe because of his veteran um, experience, if you will. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to move on to uh, why we have been here. Obviously, it's opening day for the Washington Capitals. And uh, nobody knows the Caps better than Ben Rabies right there alongside him. Uh, opening day here against the Rangers at uh, Capital One Arena. What should we expect to see from the Caps uh, tonight as of this taping and, uh, and, and for this season? Well, could be a physical affair against the New York Rangers. It's uh, maybe it is. <laughs> it's these two teams playing on opening night. There is history there going back to last May and a couple of back-to-back showdowns against the Rangers and the Rangers. They beefed up in the offseason. They loaded up in the physicality department. Ryan Reeves, one of the biggest heavyweights in the NHL, in the Rangers lineup. Thinking is he was acquired not only to combat and go up against Tom Wilson and the like, but certainly to add that physicality to the New York Rangers. So tonight should be a bunch of energy and in all seriousness as well. First time, as with a lot of teams in pro sports, first time the Capitals will be back home, full barn at Capital One Arena since March 2020. So looking forward to that. And for the season as a whole, Got to navigate through these first few weeks without Nicholas Backstrom. He's out at least the first 10 games of the season. They are one of the older teams in the league, the Capitals. But the injury to Backstrom opens the door to a first-round pick. Not a household name. He's a first-round pick. He'll make his NHL debut tonight, a 19-year-old in Hendricks LaPierre. They're an old team, an older team. But they do have a, you know, a, a next generation, if you will. Maybe coming a little ahead of schedule here. Connor McMichael, Hendricks LaPierre, the past two first-round picks looking to get their feet wet over the next few weeks. Does it look like Alex Ovechkin's good to go for uh, for this first game? Russian machine never breaks, fellas. It's amazing. <laughs> the durability, it's been a story throughout his career. Got nicked up in the final preseason game, missed a couple of practices. All signs pointing towards his being in the lineup uh, to start uh, his starting to lose count now. His 17th NHL season, hard to believe it, age 36. Yeah, when you get that many seasons, it is uh, it is hard to kind of keep count. And it's hard to keep count how long Dave Preston's been working here. We're going on 20 years, this guy. Uh, Preston, uh, you wrote a great uh, uh, Capitals preview on WTOP.com. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Um, talk a little bit about uh, what you were touching on in that uh, preview. Consider, I guess, maybe the appetizer, the lamb chop lollipops to the prime rib that you you will enjoy when you read Ben's uh, work uh, online. But uh, I I think this is, uh, you know, a great uh, conversation piece, Ben. There there are, I guess, three things that if if you look at, there there are question marks with this team. One, you talked a little bit about the age. I believe last year they had the oldest average roster, the the oldest uh, roster if you looked at average age uh, in the NHL. The core has gotten older to a point where they're they're doing things that you don't expect of guys that age. Uh, and you know, you when guys get old, sometimes it happens all of a sudden. And you wonder with the injury to uh, Nicholas Backstrom, with a couple of guys creeping over thirty, if this is the year where all of a sudden you wake up and oh, my goodness, the team is a little too old. Uh, I guess the second uh, question is. 
defense. They have a revamped, uh, you know, a blue line. Uh, I think they were 17th in the league last year in, in goals allowed. Uh, will the blue line be much better this year or, or it, how long is it going to take for the defensive pairs to find themselves? Cause I think one of the big things that really propelled this team towards that cup run in 2018 uh, under Barry Trotz was the fact that they really solidified their pairs. And I guess the, my, my last big question is Evgeny Kuznetsov, well, which Evgeny do we get this year? I made the point that three years ago, it looked like there might be a passing of the torch, so to speak, in the Stanley Cup run. He had a fantastic playoff uh, you know, run for the Caps way back when. He has not been that guy since he came in. He says that he's feeling great. Everybody says that you know, all signs point to him being back. But can he take the mantle of being the guy right now? So a lot on your plate, Ben. And, well, <laughs> and I mean, there are a lot I mean, of questions as to whether or not he would be left available in the expansion draft, right? So, I mean, it's right. it's even I mean, a surprise I mean, I think that he's still here. Yeah, Kuznetsov is certainly uh, among the keys to the team's success. And to, to Presto's point, he's halfway into an eight-year contract. He would have signed four years ago. And one way to describe the first four seasons is inconsistent. We've seen certainly the, the high ceiling, the high end, as Dave noted in 2018, what he's capable of, led the league in postseason scoring, such a key cog on that cup run. And at the same time, there's been inconsistencies and issues both on and off the ice, uh, questions related to maturity, et cetera. That being said, it's easy in training camp. I get it. It's easy in training camp in the preseason to say all the right things, but Evgeny Kuznetsov has certainly come into camp into the start of the year acknowledging he needs to be better. He knows what he's capable of. And look, the team needs him to be because, as noted, without Nicholas Backstrom for the first month of the season, much more will be asked of Evgeny Kuznetsov, along with Lars Eller, another guy who's moving up the depth chart with Backstrom out. So a lot on Evgeny Kuznetsov's plate. They'll need him to be at his best for the team itself to enjoy or put itself in position to ultimately potentially enjoy the success that they want to realize. And to Dave's point as well, that among the other storylines, uh, you lost a couple of big boys on the back end mm, yeah. and Brendan Dillon. They played a physical mean brand of hockey and, and they left via free agency and a trade really to, to create some salary cap space. And they've been replaced by, you know, some younger, some more mobile defensemen, defensemen who are very good, but maybe bring a little bit of a different skill set. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because you did lose a little, little toughness in terms of what Brendan Dillon and Zdeno Chara key cogs last year and who no longer are, are with the organization. Mm. All right, let's get Chi in on this. I'm sure he's going to have a few wagers uh, at some point on this team over the course of the season. And, uh, of course, if you guys subscribe to the uh, the Huddle uh, newsletter, you know Chi's pick of the week is straight money. So uh, let's, let's hear what you got to say about the 21-22 uh, Capitals. Well, I don't know if this applies to hockey like it does in football. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have two goalies, do you have none? I mean, Vitek Vanacek, Ilya Samsonov um, both had their nice moments at times. But when I look at the Stanley Cup champion the past two years, they have the best goaltender in hockey, and he plays most of the games, if not almost all of them. I mean, I understand keeping these guys fresh during the course of the season, but I just don't know that they're good enough to go the entire course of the postseason. And then I look at a team like the Lightning with a Victor Hedman playing behind. I don't know that Washington has anybody like that. They're still great. 
scores on this team, no doubt about it. It's just they're going to have to win a lot of like five, four games. Anthony Mantha, too, that was a good trade they got last year. He'll be a big uh, part of what they want to do offensively. But um, just not sure they're good enough goaltending. There's just not a lot of teams that are. I mean, there's, there's only a few finite amount of like elite goaltenders in the league. If you don't have one, it, it's tough. I, I will say Vitek Vanacek is starting the season opener. And full disclosure, fellas, I think that that raises the antenna a little bit. Mm. Uh, Check did heavy lifting last year as a rookie, not by design. Ilya Samsonov had COVID absences. He had injuries. Keep in mind, Henrik Lundqvist was never even available to play after they had signed him. And Vitek Vanacek, to his credit, he was sort of thrust into the starters role last year. And he carried the load. He, he, he did, did a good job, led all rookies with 21 wins, held his own, got the Capitals in the playoffs. But this year, a full 82-game campaign, if the Capitals, again, are to enjoy the success they ultimately envision, we touched on they need Kuznetsov at his best. They're going to need Ilya Samsonov, in my opinion. First-round pick going back to 2015, a high ceiling, high expectations, high potential. It hasn't necessarily been realized for a combination of reasons, namely injuries, absences, et cetera. My thought is he's got to, at some point this year, you got to see what you have. He's got to start games in succession. He's got to get that heavy workload. We'll have to wait until at least the first weekend of the season. Cause again, Vanacek getting the nod in the season opener against the Rangers, Peter Laviolette saying head coach that Vanacek had the better training camp, showed himself well, but ultimately I'm curious to see what Ilya Samsonov does. You got to, you got to get the training wheels off. You got to extend the leash on him and, and see what you have in Ilya Samsonov. All right, guys, real quick. Is this a playoff team? We'll start with Dave Preston since he's got to go do a sports cast. I'm going to say that uh, they missed the playoffs. I, as, as much as, as, as I hate to do this, because this has been such a fun team to watch over the last 10 years. I think that age catches up with them. And in April, you, they look like they're skating uphill. Um, I'm going to depart to do the up to do my sports cast closing shoot around. Uh, how about Virginia? The last two weeks missed field goals has the Cavaliers all of a sudden four and two Brennan Armstrong averaging over 400 yards per game. If you can find a way to get the ACC network, I, I don't know how you can get it in the Washington DC area, but find a way to do so. They're one heck of a fun team to watch. The kids having a fantastic season. All right. And, and then the walk-off. I love it. Uh, uh, Chi, let's, uh, is the, are the Capitals a playoff team? Real quick, I get ACC Network in, up here in uh, Howard County, Carroll yeah, County. Yeah, I get it so, too. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good, Dave. So I am able to see those performances. Um, are the Capitals a playoff team? I do believe they are. I still think the Eastern Conference has some weaker teams like Buffalo, Detroit, who – um, I don't think are there yet. Ottawa as well, the Devils. So I, I think that there's enough bad teams that they can beat. Philadelphia, another one I don't think is going to be making the playoffs. I think the uh, Capitals get in. Okay. Uh, ben? Also, also, also have them making the postseason. Uh, I've, I've been taught. I've learned. You never count uh, out the likes of Ovechkin and Baxter when he's in there. I got him in for a 14th time in the last 15 years. And in Montgomery County, we also get the ACC network. <laughs> it's terrific. Come college basketball season, you get your fix of Duke beating up on the UNC Greensboro's of the world. <laughs> in Howard County, we also get the, uh, the ACC network uh, for what it's worth. Now, uh, final impressions, guys. Uh, Chi, what, what are you thinking about this week? 
I'm thinking about how Lamar Jackson, I'm loving the fact that he is in this MVP conversation. What he has done in more yards than 18 other teams is just phenomenal. The wins that this Ravens team has, I mean, if you think about winning organizations and losing organizations, it's those end-of-game moments. It's when you're down 16 and you still have it in your head, we can win this football game. Or Lamar, when he got the kickoff or they got the uh, coin toss, they won that in overtime, he says it's over. He knew that he was going to lead them to victory there. And uh, right now, I know Josh Allen's playing at an incredible level. We have some good front runners there for the award. But uh, love see and, and Kyler Murray, how could I forget about him? Um, but, you know, Lamar has been playing outstandingly, and it's been uh, really cool to see. And and to your point, and I, I want to make sure the viewers understand what you just said. Lamar Jackson individually has more yardage this season than 18 NFL teams. That's mind-boggling. He has to carry the Ravens. They have 16 guys on injured reserve, and yet and still they are, what, 4-1 and one now? This yep. is a team that is in the hunt, not just for their division. They're in the hunt in the AFC. And right now, there is no close second. Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league. I'm, I, 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 don't even I, know that there, I don't even know that there's a close second. And I would even add in the uh, MVP conversation, uh, the kid with the Chargers, um, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. I don't know why his name escapes me at the moment. I just did an entire uh, segment on him uh, last week. Uh, ben Raby, last uh, thoughts. I was going to say Justin Herbert's name also escaped uh, management from the Detroit Lions and Miami. <laughs> and, uh, make the case the Washington football team, but we won't go there. What's on my mind? Looking forward to the Major League Baseball playoffs continuing. How about the Atlanta Braves? Not an Atlanta Braves backer by any means, but I give that team credit. Mid-season, they lost their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., for the season. They were middling right around 500, below 500, a game below 500. And they did that. They went out and they said they did the opposite of what the Nationals did. They said, you know what? We're going to load up the National League East. No one's taking it. It's up for grabs. We're all in. We're going to go for it, even without our best player. They made the playoffs. They made quick work of the Milwaukee Brewers. Looking forward to seeing how they fare against either San Francisco or Los Angeles Major League Baseball playoffs. I'm all in. Oh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a fun postseason i am uh i'm actually gonna uh end on a, a more serious note as uh we all know the john gruden situation he's no longer the head coach of the raiders because of some uh pretty bad emails that he was sending to bruce allen who is let's be real the most likely person to send uh really inappropriate emails to based on what we saw of him here in washington but um if you guys think that this doesn't happen across all 32 teams or at least close to all 32 teams, you're sadly mistaken. John Gruden is not an outlier. There's a lot of people. And this is a complete and total byproduct of the NFL's power structure being entirely white. If we had more people of color in ownership, if we had more people of color in front offices, if we had more people of color at the head coaching ranks, you would see less of this because there wouldn't be so much of these um, antiquated um, uh, generalizations that uh, that like Rudin was was passing along in those emails. So on that note, we need to actually have the rest of the 650,000 emails from that Washington football team investigation into workplace misconduct. We need to see all of it and why the league is hiding it. 
I mean, that just raises the antennas in and of itself. So this is a mess for the league. They need to, uh, they need to try to head this off at the pass because I feel like this is going to come out eventually. So you should get out in front of it, own it, and let's try to move forward and actually fix it so that things are better for everybody in the NFL and not just the billionaire owners, because that's the only reason why Dan Snyder is still sitting in, uh, as a matter of fact, not only is he still the owner of the team, he's the 100% owner of the team. The league helped him actually cut a check to help him buy out his partners. That is mind boggling when he's at the center of this investigation. So I hate to end on a bummer like that, but <laughs> it, uh, it certainly had to be said. And uh, I'm glad that you came and joined us today for the DC Sports Huddle. Signing off uh, for Chris Chion, Ben Raby. Always good to have him during hockey season. You know when he's got a clean shave and a tie, you know it's about to get real. Dave Preston doing a sports cast and all the random people walking around in the background in our uh, kitchen area there. Signing off for them as well. I'm Rob Woodfork, breaking the huddle. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Fear right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.